Welcome to the Design Course Welcome to the Design Course Academy podcast, where you learn how to design a first world business in a third world economy. Here's your host, Adabarangia Jaunu. First, a word from our sponsor of the day. It's been a while since we wanted to jumpstart our podcast. In the past, it was a hassle to do that. Thanks to Buzzsprout, we're now able to publish our podcast to multiple directories and get our message to you. If you've been thinking of starting your podcast, why don't you consider using Buzzsprout? Use the link in the show notes of this episode so they'll know we sent you. You'll love them. Hi, Chubike. So this is um, a very touchy subject that uh, we tend to run into either uh, head-on or we get a shade of, of, uh, of this particular uh, topic on occasion when you walk into a room and something very there's something in the air you don't know what it is until you figure out uh, there's something about the color of your skin <laughs> you know <laughs> so um, you and I and many others out there don't see race we don't see tribe however yeah. we share we share the world with people who see race they see tribe they see the color of your skin and, and they and they see the language you speak so yeah. um in your own experience what has what has it been like living in a world that is bent on dividing uh the human family into races and and creating limitations for those who don't fit your uh, their favorable profile of who a human being should be or who a human being should look like well um it's a very sensitive subject like you said um i i think um all of us all of us have sentiments we all have sentiments um even if they're not racist but because of the influences we've had in our lives, we've, 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 we've heard, we've formed, there have been stereotypes that have been fed to us about people of various um, races and cultures and tribes. And that this, these examples are like, oh, you know, uh, you, Indians are the ones who, uh, now let's, let's, don't get me wrong. These might be positive sentiments, but they are sentiments nonetheless that, are, that, that, you, that you attach to races, tribes, and cultures. An example is like, oh, you know, if you want, if you want, to, if you want um, coding done, if you want programming done, maybe you should talk to Indians. If you want to manufacture stuff, you know, like this, like that, quick, you know, go talk to the Chinese. If you want to, um, if, if you want to sell 
if you want to if you want to, to open up, up a stall in the market in 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 in, uh, in Nigeria or anywhere in the world, talk to an Igbo guy. If you want to if you want to sell gold, talk to a northern Nigerian. If you want, so these these sentiments you keep getting them, whether you want to believe them or not, you keep hearing them. Like oh, this is this is how this set of people are, and because you are able to confirm one or two, somehow all the other sentiments just follow. So if you've already, if 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 the if the positive ones, for example, someone to, like, you know, because you know a lot of uh, uh, northern northern Nigerians that are very good with selling jewelry, um, you're able to confirm it if somebody says, ah, now, these, now these people, it's not their style. This is what they do. You 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 are already able to verify that because you're seeing it. So if this same society also tells you that oh, this set of people are thieves, because you've verified the first sentiment that came, the first message that came to influence your perception, you, that, 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 in that first verification kind of makes you trust the source. So when that source brings this other sentiment into the equation, you probably will consider like, oh, they probably are right. And, and I've, I, I struggle to, 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 um, to see racism and tribalism as a as a as a singular problem because it's just it's just influenced its culture there's something that i grew as a as an adult i started training myself to ask people that i i i will make sure that i don't ask you where you are from i'll make sure that because where you're from is not it, it, it's relative. For example, in our society in Nigeria, where you're from, when someone asks you, where are you from? That means they're asking you where your ancestors originate from. As far back as when, we don't know how to start counting our ancestry because all ancestry has migrated at some point from somewhere, all. So at what point do you start to say, this is where we are from? But in our society, it's where, where you are identified as, oh, I'm from Umunankwa. I'm from Koton uh, Kerfi. It's it, whether you've been there or not, that becomes the tag that you carry. And the reason people ask this is that they need to be able to evaluate you because of the influence, of, because of the, the feed they've received about people from that area. So they want to be able to approach you based on that. So what, what, what I, ha I had to completely disabuse myself of having anything like that. Now, it's a struggle because we live in a world, like you said, even if we are not, we are detribalized, non-racist, we live in a world where there are lots of people like that. And those people continue to, to pu push influences into the collective thought process. So it's a struggle trying to block those things out of your mind. So what I ask people instead is if I hear someone whose name is, is a Wu Fing Chi, I wouldn't ask him, where are you from? I would say that name sounds like something that originated from a Chinese culture. That's, what I, that's, that's how I put it to him. That name appears to have originated from a Chinese culture. He may not identify as Chinese in that sense. Maybe he grew up in America or in the United Kingdom. So his thinking is American. So regardless of where his parents or his grandparents or his great-grandparents originated from, or regardless of where the appearance, his physical appearance, suggests he originated from, how he behaves is a function of the kind of mind conditioning he has had. 
And that the influence that creates the kind of mind he has may be an American influence rather than Chinese. So for me to determine him by just the way he looks and says, ah, this guy is going to behave like this because he looks like this, is already putting me in, um, there I say, at a disadvantage. It makes it hard for me to communicate sincerely with him. And, and it's, it's, a, it's a problem. And I try my best to navigate away from that so that I don't ever ask people where they are from. I ask them where they grew up, you know, where they, you know, because I want to have, maybe I want to look for common ground, things to talk about. So, hey, you sound like a, you have an accent that reminds me of a friend that I used to, um, that, that I used to know when I was in secondary school. Did you grow up in, uh, in Yola, for example? And stuff like that, you know? I ask somebody, like, you know, you, you have an accent that is reminiscent of, of, of South Africa, you know? So I'm not, going to, I'm not going down the path of you are this or you are that. You grew up here. That means you have some influences from there. You've experienced these experiences from there. So we can talk about that. So it's based, it's based on a need to have common, uh, com something in common to have a conversation about. That's why I would even ask. I prefer to just, as, just meet a human being and handle, treat them as a human being. Male, female, um, tall, short, rich, poor. That's, that's, that's the same sentiment that I try to apply to everything. And that helps me deal with all those stereotypes uh, that keep keep getting thrown at you, whether we like it or not. Those stereotypes, they, they get into us. We watch TV and the stereotypes are there. We watch movies, these stereotypes are there. And there's a lot of content out there reinforcing stereotypes even more. So we have to be very careful not to allow that stereotyping to influence how we communicate. And that, that's how I, I, I work it. Well, that's cool. Um, we have the sad... Um, sad privilege of um, bringing certain rea realizations uh, to the surface uh, with respect to um, what uh, we as um, members of the black community globally have to face in dealing, uh, in, dealing in business, especially in the creative uh, industry. And uh, I, I posted a tweet uh, some days ago that, that gave an account of my experience with a, a Nigerian telecoms uh, company that was uh, taking a, a review of one of the uh, multimedia projects we had done for them. They had turned it down. Then when a white expert came in and, <laughs> approved, the, and approved the project, everyone in the room changed their tune. It was crazy, and you know the the reaction on Twitter was, of course, landslide. But um, have you ever had something similar happen where a black person actually did something similar or something akin to uh, imposed racism on on you at at any point? <laughs> I I think it, it has it's pretty much universal with us in this industry and in this environment. When we were when when we we started Wu Interactive, or when I joined the Akamichi, and those years in the early stages of my career, one of the things we faced most was clients didn't believe we could do it. It's just it's, it's a problem. It, we 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 present work, or they check out our portfolio. We actually would see them sometimes even in our presence. They jump and say, "This is it's a lie. You guys did not do this." 
you guys sent this thing abroad, somebody did it there. I think this comes from a conditioning from that era of colonial rule. We had, we were conditioned to mm-hmm. believe that we, uh, we were inferior in intellect and skill and everything else. Mm. It has not left. There's more of it in the generation that directly experienced colonialism than those mm. of us who were born after it. Mm. Um, you, can, you can see it. And a lot of those influences were very strong. They were stronger then <clears throat> when I was starting out in my career, which was 22 years ago. They were stronger then. We, we, we would always encounter people who just they didn't believe that we did it. And there was a time when it was popular. It still is. <laughs> we as creative people, I know when it was we considered in our company to, to partner with somebody of a Caucasian race who will accompany us to meetings because that gave our people the idea that this is authentic. It comes from abroad. Um, there was a time I even, I mean, back in Wu Interactive, there was a time I picked, I, I, the phone rang and I, I, took, I picked the phone call myself. And then um, the person who was making inquiries, it was someone making inquiries and they were asking to speak with the owner. I said, you can speak with me. Um, you can speak with me. I didn't want to tell him that I was actually one of the partners on, in the company, but I just wanted to know where he was heading with this. He said, no, no, the owner, the real owner, you know, the, the white guy. I said, what do you mean by the white guy? I don't understand. He said, you know, the person that owns the company. It, was, it tickled me a great deal, but oh I was disturbed because why would you think? I, I understand how his sentiment went straight into that because mm-hmm. the name of the company is Wu Interactive, W-O-O. Very few Nigerian companies at that time would name themselves like that. Most of the time, yeah. you see uh, Kelechi and Sons. This yeah. uh, one, so, so and so and so, Enterprises Limited. But he just saw Wu, W-O-O. Very, <laughs> in his mind, this is not the kind of thing Nigerians would do. So because he has a conditioning that says, we are not capable of this, he has already dismissed the possibility that this company is owned by Nigerians. Meanwhile, it was it's owned by a few Nigerian men, all under the age of 33. So I, I, I was, I was, I was it, it led me to, to, the, to that perception and to, the, to understanding that, that there's a big problem in that area. You know? And I, I, I think one of, the, one of the manifestations of that also is the fact that there's a, there's a conversation that, that keeps showing up in the filmmaking industry about why do, why do Nigerian um, advertising agencies have to go down to South Africa or any, uh, you know, so another country to be able to create good, high-quality advert, advert material for clients. I, I really used to be very angry about this thing because it just, to me, it reinforced this mindset of that it is not possible, you can't achieve it here. I actually became, um, I first-hand, had first-hand experience with this going to South Africa to make a film, to, make, to create an advert. My, in my uh, last employment, at some point, we had to create a high-quality TV commercial. Our agency created uh, and submitted this concept. And the agency, agency had to film it. And they were going to film in South Africa. I eventually accompanied them, and I was, I was with them there through the process. And I came back. Now, prior to this particular experience, I remember at one of our agencies then in the bank, too, I had asked them, 
had asked one of the senior uh, partners in that agency, why do we, why do you, why do we, why do, do agencies, why do agencies go to South Africa to film? Why can't we do some of these things here? And he said, it is localization of industry. That is the reason. I said, oh, that, 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 I, I simply, let me understand this better. He said, he said it is because the, the production is relatively cheaper because you can find every single thing you need in the same, you can go, literally go meet one company, sit down and tell them everything you want to do and they can get all props, location, everything you need and you can carry out that shoot. They can, they can determine where to shoot and, and because things like weather forecasts and all that are things taken more seriously there than we do here. They don't get messed up by the circumstances and the environment. So I understood that they are more structured, which is why we physically go there. But what about skill? There are some adverts that you can tell do not require props, uh, do not require special environments and all that. And we still end up going over and shooting them abroad for the simple reason that a lot of companies, a lot of business leaders, if they don't hear that it was done abroad, they don't believe it was properly done. So what we started doing was we, you, you put out any material that you just keep quiet about it. Because the moment they find out that it was, we lost some business when back in the Wu Interactive days. Because we, we, we started out by saying, here's what we did. And they instantly, they're like, if it's Nigerians that did it, we don't want. So we, we, we at some point, that, those were the, the days when we started to consider partnering with somebody of Caucasian descent so that we can, we can <laughs> it is sad, but you know, I, I, I have always hated that we, that we even have to think of that. I think I think it's um, it's still a problem. With Nigerians, Africans don't believe that Africans have anything to offer, which is why we we can't even tell our own stories properly. We can't tell it. We can't tell our story. We don't believe ourselves. We don't believe that we can, you know. And there there are things that also happen that reinforce that. Let's even take it out of racism to so just professional behavior. Um, oftentimes, because of our orientation. We, we, we expect to get away with incompetence. We expect to get, to get away with not, with not handling things professionally. And because a lot of people who are receiving these services are used to seeing us behave like that, we, a, 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 mind, a perception has been formed. And that perception kind of drives every decision that, that they make. At the end of the day, ah, I beg, don't, don't, don't involve any Nigerian company. I'm tired. As a, there's an experience that my wife's website has, been, has had she, just, just yesterday. A domain just suddenly got, yeah, there's a Nigerian company hosting. You know, she had had experience, she had suffered from their, um, um, such, such things with them a couple of years back. And yesterday's experience kind of reinforced that. See, this is, this is the reason why I, I never wanted to work with these guys. Now look at this, you know. So we also have that problem that so oftentimes when people have these sentiments, certain experiences reinforce them. And then it becomes even harder for them to let these things go. But nonetheless, I've, it's, it, it takes a lot to change a worldview and to change a mindset. But my belief is that if we do it one person at a time, start with your household, your colleagues in the office, and change how people see all these things. Excellence is possible, excellent behavior is possible, but if people don't expect it, they don't, they don't notice it even when it's there. We hope that this was fun for you. 
Remember to support our sponsors because by supporting them, you support us. Don't forget to rate us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Like and share this episode because when all is said and done, we need to support each other. Till our next episode, stay hopeful and build something that matters. Happy mouse. Happy mouse.